You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. If you are a longtime listener of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, y'all know this is our Conversation with Smart People series, as I'm glad to have on a couple of very special guests, and all my guests are special, but, but these two are a little more special. My, uh, classmate Maurice Dunn and his wife Jennifer. Uh, thank you both uh, for being on with me this morning as we get into a, you know, a husband and wife entrepreneur team. That's not easy. You don't find it out there thriving and, and, and like, like a lot of, you don't find that thriving out there. A lot of times they tear each other the scenes when they work together, but y'all have went into business together. So if y'all will, both of you say hello to the Truth Seekers. Glad to have both of you on. Um, matter of fact, this is our first time on, right, Maurice? I don't think I've ever had you on as a guest before. No, no not as a guest. I think I've called in um, before. So. Yeah, definitely. But, definitely. Uh, That's what it is. Yeah, you've had some brilliant calls, so I was confusing you. The call with being an actual guest. So this is your first time, you and your, <laughs> again, your lovely wife, Jennifer. But if y'all will say hello to the Truth Seekers and give a little bit of your background, whatever y'all want to go into, let the people know. That, again, this is a free-flowing conversation with smart people, and y'all both definitely qualify. So thank y'all for being with me. Well, well good morning. Um, I'll start, babe. Um, and thank you, Smitty, for having us on. I think this is awesome. Um, so just a little bit about my background. I'm an, a longtime educator. I've been working in education for over 20-plus years. Um, I started out as a practitioner in a school. Um, I worked in an urban area and worked in um, school systems that pretty much had underrepresented groups of students that um, we're not doing very well um, and matriculating very well to graduation, especially African-American males. And so I found a real passion um, in my 20s to making sure that all students were able to get good education and quality education. So I then moved on to the College Board, which is a national organization, to do um, training and development for educators across the country. Um, and then in 2020, February 2020, Maurice and I um, decided that I would go full-time into the business and, of course, um, him supporting and co um, helping with the co-owning of the business, um, Bunafu e-learning uh, for life. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I'll pass it over to Maurice. Thanks, babe. Um, so I'm Maurice Dunn. Uh, I um, 
went to school with uh, Montoya at the uh, Air Force Academy. We graduated in 1997. Um, I served uh, 10 years uh, active duty uh, in the Air Force. I was a comm, uh, communications and information officer. So a lot of uh, telecommunications, a lot of information technology uh, work that I did during that 10-year period. Um, after that, I got out of the military um, and transitioned into basically a government contractor job, doing something very similar. So I was actually instructing folks uh, to how to do the job that I was currently doing at that time. Um, and then I moved into a government uh, civilian position with the Department of Defense uh, back in 2011 now uh, and been doing that for the last nine years. And again, telecommunications, information technology uh, management. Now, weaving in uh, behind all of that, I've always been uh, a lifelong uh, entrepreneur, always felt like that was a way to equal the playing field. Um, so I've you know, done various businesses um, that didn't necessarily work out, but just enjoyed the process and the creative uh, energy that I, I got to utilize in those positions. Um, so we started this business back in 2017, and, uh, you know, we were kind of using it as, you know, a hobby in a sense, and then mm -hmm. um, finally we made the decision to, uh, to move uh, full-time, and we decided to do that together. The other thing is I always had a passion for um, education and, and children, and both Jennifer and I uh, have a six-year-old, uh, so that actually sparked even more of a energy to uh, to do our own thing and, and provide a good example for him. Um, so the e-learning, uh, training development uh, just seemed like it made a lot of sense based on the things that we were passionate about. So um, that's me in a nutshell. And originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, I have to give a shout out. It's my sister's birthday today. She's uh, 35. <laughs> uh, and then of course I have a young brother. Happy birthday. <laughs> No, absolutely. No, absolutely. Glad to have both of you on. I didn't even realize that y'all had been at this, you know, since 2017. Um, I was hip. You know, just recently about, I guess, uh, Jennifer, you going full-time with um, Bunafu. And so um, basically you kind of got ahead of the curve when you think about e-learning, and obviously nobody foresaw 2020 happening in the way um, that is happening. And, and then you, again, even going full-time, you know, as as this thing was unfolding. But at the time we thinking, oh, this will be just a little whatever it is. We'll be out of it, you know, like any other, uh, you know, unfortunately uh, health scare that we've had when it comes to these new virus, obviously COVID uh, taking us down an entirely different road. So, uh, yeah. again, you both, you, you were ahead of the curve even jumping into this space. Uh, but even before we go to our first initial break, uh, just did this specific time help pick up since you were in this space? Because <laughs> I've done different shows talking to other African-American owners and we've, the COVID situation either you know, kind of made them change a lot of things just for them to be able to survive. I've also talked to other owners who have been able to thrive, partly through preparation, partly through luck. So, you know, if you will, because, again, not knowing that y'all have been at it since 2017, and now you're full-time with the as the CEO, and uh, obviously Maurice, <laughs> as, I, as I label him, the CFO. See, hey, real quick, let me say this before I let you ask this question. See, Maurice, when you were dabbling, you were getting ready for, you know, you just needed, you just needed a CEO to have a successful business. That was the issue with your other 
Hey, you know, that's, that's, that's how other business. But now that you got a CEO, y'all going to be quite successful. But, <laughs> but with yeah, that said, Jennifer, how is the COVID situation played out in this space now that you're in e-learning, if you will? Yeah, so, so, yeah, thank you for recognizing that, Montoya, that the CEO helped out a lot. But anyway, um, so, <laughs> um, no, it's funny that you say that. So when, you know, Maurice and I had sat down and really planned out how I was going to kind of have an exit strategy from the full-time job, um, I mean, we really sat down and, and strategically planned how, we were going to move forward with the business and that I was going to leave, but we had no idea that there was going to be a national, a, a nas- well, an international pandemic where it was actually going to help, you know, catapult our business to the next level. Um, so of course I left in January, 2020, um, my job situation. And then I, you know, it was kind of quiet and then I was just building and we were building together and creating and marketing. And then all of a sudden we started getting really big contracts because people didn't know what to do in this type of environment where they were either homebound because they couldn't go into the office anymore. And so everything was then going to be virtual. So you know, businesses had to really transition very quickly. And then even schools, um, we were hired by, you know, different, you know, national school organizations where we then had to start helping them flip courses online very quickly where we were creating self-paced courses. And, um, I mean, we were essentially working overnight, and then we had to learn that we had to scale very quickly and grow very quickly. And I'll let Maurice talk since he's the operational officer to talk about how we kind of scaled. Maybe I don't know if we're going to go to a break or not, and to get into that. But. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna shoot to a quick break, and we have to kind of break down exactly what Boonafu is to anybody out there to our listening audience, especially if they haven't seen the um, you know the actual advertising for this show. But this is our conversation with smart people. It's absolutely a free flowing show. We may even open up the phone lines, um, but we want to understand what Boonafu is specifically. Uh, when we come out of this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Your business called Big Sis Media. 
Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSisMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSisMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 Hi, welcome to this brief explanatory video titled One Size Doesn't Fit All this video will discuss how we think outside the box and use data, project management, and unique instructional design elements to create engaging learning experiences. A quote by Jennifer Dunn, co-owner of Bunifu, says learning should be viewed as an adaptive, relevant journey for the learner. To provide the best possible outcome for the learner, instructional design for a course, webinar, video, e-module, mini-videos, slide design, etc. must be married to the activities the learner is pursuing. Instructional design has six key areas. One, understand the characteristics of a learner. Two, set objectives for learning. Three, content in a sequence. Four, presentation patterns. Five, assess the performance of the learner. Six, there should be constant exploration and inquiry of data. First, you should ask, what type of technologies, learning aids, resources, social media outlets, communities, blogs, YouTube videos does the learner engage or use? Next, how does the learner access the information? And what type of technologies, such as desktops, tablets, and cell phones, does the learner use to access information? It is important, as you are thinking of hiring a good e-learning company, that understanding how to ask the right questions and how to strategically integrate systems so you get the best outcome for the learner and a return on your investment is crucial. Thank you for watching. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, Jennifer and Maurice Dunn, owners of Bunifu. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, but if you will, definitely wanted to jump into the cut that I just heard from your actual website um, that kind of, I think, breaks down a lot of what you do. But what stood out to me, if I, if I could start here, uh, Maurice, I know you were going to speak prior to the break, and I don't want to take you too much in a different direction, but I want to start here again. I think it's just perfect timing when we talk about what's happening with COVID and, every, as I said, you had to, in a sense, scale very quickly based on everything that was happening because you were kind of positioned perfectly. Uh, but in the, from, from the standpoint of I told parents, please listen in. Here's an opportunity to you know, maybe get familiar with a company that can, in a sense, give your children culturally relevant information. So one thing that stood out from that cut, it was one of the questions that you asked, and if we could kind of start here, and then we'll weave back to everything that you do. But it was one particular question that says, what type of technologies, learning aids, resources, social media outlets, communities, blogs, YouTube videos, does the learner engage or use? The reason that question stood out to me was because uh, me being in an after-school program and trying to figure out 
in a sense, the school's trying to figure out what are we going to do with the kids. We, here in Atlanta, especially last year, last the end of last school year, there was a lot of reports about how good or bad the virtual learning went. And the unfortunate aspects to the schools being thrown into this, in a sense, topsy-turvy world was the idea that they couldn't consider what you just said in that cut. They just kind of had to come up with something that they use massively for all students, but it doesn't engage them based on their learning style. And I think that's, in my opinion, why y'all are particularly positioned to be very successful, if you will, at that time. So I kind of wanted to start there because I think that's what makes you most unique and can really help out any parents listening that may have some students that are still struggling with this virtual learning world. I've even heard parents say, my A student is now barely passing in this new world, and I'm pretty sure the school's being unable to consider those unique learning um, way, you know, ways that children learn through their digital is why that kind of stuff is happening. If you would, go ahead, if you will, Maurice. Well, Smitty, um, I think uh, I, I, I will say that uh, for, for us, one of the main uh, value systems or one of the value characteristics was being culturally competent. Um, obviously, we're both African-American. And so, um, and again, going back to our son in a sense, you know, we, you know, the way sometimes that he learns is different than, you know, other folks. Um, and, and some of it is similar. So, but we feel like uh, we want to make sure that all kids, you know, get uh, as fair of an education as they possibly can get. And so, um, that was one of the things we, we valued is making sure that we're bringing uh, a different type of perspective into the learning environment to capture maybe uh, some kids that, you know, uh, because of the current kind of the current systems that have been established, uh, capture some of their um, understanding and make and help them, you know, move forward on uh, as they matriculate through the education system. So that was uh, something that we definitely wanted to bring to the space because we didn't feel like it was necessarily there. And that goes down to um, as simple as what images are being shown uh, and what is being portrayed in the actual instruction, uh, especially from a virtual environment. Um, you know, that is very powerful in the just the engagement of the children into uh, the different activities that are being presented. Um, so that was uh, critical for us uh, to make sure. I know that, and it was one of our first big projects was uh, to work on uh, diversity and inclusion for uh, a national education, you know, public charter school. Uh, but with that, uh, Jennifer had been doing this uh, with the College Board for quite a while and had gained some of this uh, knowledge. So I'm sure she could add some more depthness to the answer. So I'll pass it to her. Yeah, so just to talk about, um, Maurice is exactly right. Um, imagery was like a big key is to make sure that many of the, the, the kids or the students um, were able to see themselves in the mm -hmm. learning. And so we build customized self-paced courses um, so kids can eat, eat, essentially, you know, go through different videos. It might be animated videos, but we create animated videos with African-American, you know, uh, folks mm -hmm. in those leadership roles as well as environments that um, they may 
uh, know culturally. Um, also, it's important to have voiceover, professional voiceovers when you're creating videos that they also can relate to the population or learners that you're, you know, engaging. Um, and then language and what types of language that you use that you're making sure that you're using inclusive, non-biased language. Um, and so that was just, those are just some baseline things that we, that we did, but we also wanted to have, you know, students are and kids are gaming all the time. They're on cell phones. I mean, they're engaging in information in ways that I know even when I grew up, I did not engage in at all. So that's the one thing that we do. We have to go in and do a, a really quick assessment of how, you know, students or adults are taking in information. And we want to make sure that we're creating e-learning that is customized in a way that they can take it in um, and how they would be able to engage. And it may be reading for some people, but it may not be. It may be that they're looking at pictures to be, you know, create some type of learning engagement. It also means that they may need to use their hands. So we may have to do digital toolkits and things like that. Um, but it's really about, you know, that video that or that um, soundbite that you just uh, you just played was all about one size doesn't fit all. So we have to really work with whomever um, client or customer we're working with to make sure that we're we're meeting the needs of their learners. Now it sounds amazing. I mean, it sounds similar to, and you know, Maurice, I've talked to you in the past about even um, your son when y'all were even considering different schools that you were thinking about putting in, put putting you know your son in in the past, uh, you know, from daycare even to schooling now. Uh, but when I hear the way you're speaking, Jennifer, it sounds like whereas you know, in a sense, sometimes parents find that their student does much better in this particular school if they have an opportunity to move their child. And it sounds in this situation, in this digital world, and the way that y'all are approaching it, it's not going to be a situation of needing to find another school. It's just a matter of finding exactly what tool and how this child mm -hmm. learns, and that's what y'all are able to customize to. So you almost, you almost become a one-stop shop for anybody that say, you know what, let me look at um, – um, Beneath you, teach me how to say it correctly because I'm struggling with that. Let me get it right. <laughs> That's okay. It's Bunafu. It's um, actually a Swahili term. It. Yeah, it's a, it's Bunafu, and it's a Swahili term that means creative or unique or thinking outside the box. But it's Bunafu. Um, it's funny that you you know have lots of people have a difficult time saying the the name, and we were we're fine with that. Um, but you know it's 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 interesting because I think people really then remember the name, but um, it's Bunifu. So Bunifu, Bunifu, yeah. I got it right. I, and I see, and I always we, we're so great to say our own names. So I'm feeling, I'm looking real bad right now. I've been practicing. And I'm still messing it up. I'm like I'm not gonna mess this up for the entire show. Uh, all right. So let me get there. And the name absolutely fits what we were just talking about. So once again, um, love the approach. So let me ask, um, not having children myself, but again, you know, working with schools in the after-school program, for a parent out there listening who's, in a sense, maybe making that adjustment or trying to figure it out, because I definitely have parents that are telling me they, they're still struggling with this. And so 
uh, how does your company assist maybe a child learning that a, has a, a curriculum that they also need to follow within school, but uh, how do you position the company to be able to assist parents, or is it a situation where you create full-time courses? Like, how, what to what level can y'all go with this? Maurice, you want me to take that? Okay. Yeah, you go for that. So, okay. So, um, so we we have worked mostly with um, schools and districts um, and um, organizations other than individual parents. Um, okay. And so, when we're when we're working with the school or education um, or district, I mean, first of all, we have to find out what the challenges are. Um, and at the time, the challenge was just period is getting everything online. It wasn't, unfortunately, mm-hmm. education was turned upside down where they, it was shut down like within one week or two weeks. So they didn't have even sometimes the infrastructure to even put things online. Mm. So they were just, the first bit was just getting the baseline of getting everything online. So we had to find mm-hmm. out where people are. So even if a parent, it's like, where are you as far as, um, you know, uh, uh, helping out a student? And one thing was, is um, we had to help the educator to help the parents and students to say, first of all, you may need to have them have a quiet place. And every home wasn't quiet. What are some safety Mm -hmm. things that may happen um, within an area? Because now you're in someone's home where before kids are coming to school. But now you're at somebody's home and you're turning, asking them to turn on a camera. Um, and then you want to make sure that mm. students may have, they, or children may have multiple kids at home. That means they need multiple devices. Does, do they have Internet? So these are questions that you have to ask um, first before you can, you got to hit that baseline. Where are they at? And then how can we move them to the next level? Um, and, uh, that's what we first started with is creating some type of structure and then offering different platforms that might be good, um, to be able to use. Um, and for just parents, idea for parents, um, sometimes even with our own son, I mean, it is challenging. This is not easy. I mean, we're working. I mean, we have a business at home, which is great, but we're also, we we have the luxury of being able to be home, but we're also trying to monitor a six-year-old and we don't have multiple kids and so some parents are trying to juggle their job Mm -hmm. trying to juggle multiple kids at home everything and and sometimes it can be frustrating and what I like to say to parents the first thing is the advice is yeah you can put them on this and this and this but you have to have grace for yourself Um, and it's okay Mm -hmm. that you this is to to say this is difficult and this is hard and you have to take a break both for your child and yourself so that's the first word of advice that i would give parents is that give yourself grace that this is different and this is hard um and yes some of your kids may not be doing the work they may be stellar having a's but giving them grace um to to move forward because this is a different environment and they don't have that peer interaction um and then the next is just uh, sometimes I, we've used YouTube videos. I, somebody asked my, me the other day, how do I help my grandson with multiple ta- um, multiplication tables or what have you? And I said, well, what, have you thought about just looking at YouTube? So sometimes we just let James look at YouTube of some learning mm-hmm. thing, you know, some learning activity, and he's engaged in the YouTube. 
and then he's learning from there. Um, and then we're reinforcing it maybe through other tactile things that he may be getting from school. But I think it's important to, to find what online thing that they're engaged in and what they're interested in. And, I mean, that was a long answer. And one of the things that we've done with larger organizations is uh, we've created self-paced courses where we've designed them um, for the teacher to be able to um, have the students just engage and walk through the same content that they would do in an uh, online face-to-face type mm-hmm. of session to an online. So if a teacher needed to, if a student needed to work at their own pace, we could give them um, the content, but it would be a self-paced where they're going through, they're doing multiple choice uh, questions, they're doing um, matching, they're do- watching a video, and they're engaged in music that helping, that's helping them through multiple ways of um, engaging in the content. Wow, this is amazing, I, and I'm loving this. Kind of, oh, yeah, please jump in. Go ahead, uh, Maurice. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I just wanted to add to uh, the aspects as well. Um, and you may hear a little one in the background. Um, Hi. No problem. <laughs> hey, what's um, up, James? But, Glad to have you on, King. <laughs> little King. <laughs> <laughs> so also from a business perspective, um, it was working with the larger organizations were um, kind of the best way to market get the clinical name out there. Um, now, as we've gotten our name out there, now we're getting some opportunities to actually help create curriculum that, um, you know, can be geared to different, you know, different mm-hmm. students. Specifically, you know, our what, what we value at this point is, you know, obviously African-American students. And so we're now getting a couple opportunities uh, to create, like, a, a literacy curriculum or um, a STEM curriculum and things of that nature. So some of it was just trying to get to market, get our name out there, um, and then some of it, you know, the long-term vision uh, is to be able to, you know, be able to have potentially a curriculum that is geared um, for students that don't necessarily have uh, the same advantage. No, that's amazing. I love it. We are up against the break. So we're going to play another cut from one of our sponsors, Square Business Entertainment. Again, this is Taylor Pace, who you heard on the last one. And we'll also get into another cut from Boonifu. I think I got it right that time. And for our special guest, Jennifer Maurice Dunn, our conversation with smart people, we'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. You're a package to be handled with care. You're like a daily. I let slip away. Dropping pennies in the well, wishing you were. So I got one list with one wish. That's all I left to me to give her one kiss.
Hi, welcome to this brief explanatory video titled Five Day Elevation Learning Academy. This video will highlight the work Bunafu did in creating a five day online institute. We believe that learning is a lifelong process, a self directed and self paced journey of discovery. Bunafu Mission is created to provide online learning services that will allow clients to access materials to unleash their potential and fully explore interests. We assist both profit and nonprofit companies and organizations transform to achieve maximum and optimum success. This is a sample of a five day institute that provides the learning with 15 course offerings, many instructional videos, instructional one pager with infographics, webinars, e modules, and PowerPoint presentation to help the learner gain as much knowledge as possible. Thank you for watching. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's conversation with smart people, CEO and CFO, Jennifer and Maurice Dunn of Bunifu, a digital e-learning That's platform right. that does – I got fine. I'm getting it right. I'm working on it. By the end of this show, I'm going to say it exactly right. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love the name. Uh, absolutely, the, the the meaning behind it, if you will, uh, for anybody out there listening, if you do have any questions for our entrepreneurs, we're going to go in a slightly different direction as we just talked about, in a sense, their work in the school system, um, as, and, and I love the approach, um, as I heard you talk about it um, well, when y'all say y'all kind of went after, this, in a sense, the school systems and now maybe gearing it down to maybe some, you know, particular students, if you will, it made me think of, you know, one of your best friends, Rashad Howard, who's been on the show, uh, you know, um, you know, serial entrepreneur who always talks about, you know, whatever business you're thinking about going into, if you can kind of consider um, how to reach those who can get it out to the masses, so, but you know, versus maybe coming out and promoting it to families, you went ahead and went directly at the school system and said, hey, here's something that y'all can use, and, and they get it out to everyone. And like you said, the name's out there. So I love the approach, again, of, of, you know, a recommendation that Rashad has made on this show several times, so I immediately thought of that. And so speaking of the approach and, and the business, um, again, this is not just for, in a sense, parents or students going through school. Y'all set this platform up to be able to assist small businesses who need to set up training via digitally digitally um, like you said the school system was upside down I'm pretty sure there were some small businesses when COVID hit that found themselves upside down and they still are scrambling and some have gotten software to kind of assist them but even having the software uh, if it's not geared to your to what you need that's still an issue and I, from what I understand that's where y'all can come in and assist a small business that needs to in a sense shore up their employment's training uh, which leads to retainment, and retainment leads to growth. So that's a perspective I saw that, in a sense, takes us out of the learning space for the students, but you're absolutely available to help small businesses, too, from what I understand. But either one of you can kind of jump in and explain that. Uh, from Again, that's just me outside looking in, how I saw it from, you know, reviewing the website. I'll, I'll jump in real quick, uh, Jen, and then uh, turn, okay. turn it to you. So. It's not even – it's even more – it's more than even the small businesses, Montoya. It's also like government okay. organizations. So uh, we're wow. out of uh, Washington, Washington D.C., um, and one of, the, one of the things that we have here is a program called Certified uh, Business Enterprise, and it, it's focused at uh, minority business owners. Um, and basically you get 
you know, you fill out an amount of paperwork, you qualify, you have to do like write a disadvantaged letter and all that sort of stuff to get qualified for this. But what it allows you to do, uh, it allows you to uh, become like a subcontractor on a bigger contract. And it's like a separate list nice. because they have, they have a law that states that you have to give uh, certified business enterprises a certain amount of, you know, a percentage of a bigger contract. Now, so before COVID, a lot of that stuff was kind of like word of mouth. As a matter of fact, uh, for us, um, for us, we had to uh, actually get a business developer to help us through the process. So then when COVID mm-hmm. happened, a lot of businesses couldn't access this information. And so, you know, we did a lot of networking, and we actually knew a lot of the folks that worked uh, in D.C. government in this small business office. Um, and recently they just came to us and basically said, hey, can you bring this and put this online for us? Because we really, at this point, don't have a good way of getting that information. Wow. Right. So you have, um, So you, and again, it was kind of along our mission again, trying to help, you know, small businesses and things of that nature. Um, So they came to us, and we put a course together, and, and Jennifer can correct me if I'm wrong, in like three weeks, and it was, you know, it's a product that people are using. Uh, and things of that nature. So there's there's training in every organization, be it small business, nonprofit, be it federal government, D.C. government, state government, or whatever. Um, and a lot of companies and a lot of these organizations just were not prepared uh, to 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 do that type of business across you know a virtual or remote a remote network. So um, that's also kind of the beauty of it. And now with things changed, it's the new normal in a sense. So. No, I was just one thing to add to that. And, and, you know, our mission is about supporting, you know, small businesses and um, disadvantaged businesses. And, and so one of the things is, is that a lot of the grants that were out there for small businesses, if they didn't have certain certifications and certain requirements, they were not eligible and so that made them very vulnerable and not being able to continue to keep their doors open. So being able to create a course where they could easily access and not have to access a person was just a win-win for everybody. So, um, you know, being able to develop and support, you know, small businesses and minority businesses as well um, as we, we kind of stepped out, you know, into this realm. Um, and then the, the next thing that we, we did, we heard from a lot of people is, and, and we just started this arm, is e-conferencing. A lot of businesses were doing a lot of face-to-face training, and they would uh, train folks, you know, in a conference, at a conference center, and they were no longer mm-hmm. big gatherings anymore. And so we pivoted a little bit, and we um, started to get some, we have strategic partners that support a lot of the work, but we um, then started to get into e-conferencing where we were helping businesses and organizations basically to do virtual conferences online as another asset and support. No, I love it. I got some callers out there. If the callers, if you have any questions for um, Jennifer and, and Mo, Maurice or Mo, as I call them, uh, please press the one to let us know. You know, you can definitely jump in and ask a question. If any anything that you're hearing sounds enticing, especially if you're a business owner, if you think any, you know, maybe just, you know, can this specifically help me? If you're wondering, please call in. We'll definitely take those calls. Uh, but as I'm listening to you, 
Um, I'm loving kind of hearing the backdrop. Again, I'm glad to showcase, obviously, good friends of mine. We obviously do that through our network, and that's what the Mental Dialogue Community Club is. We're always trying to, in a sense, create this virtual neighborhood where, in a sense, we're doing business with each other or learning how to do business. And so just listening to, as you said, how you've made a pivot, how you were kind of set up, Perfectly, having already been at the business since 2017, and then uh, obviously COVID-19 puts you in a in, in a scramble. But you have pivoted. You've done the things necessary to not only sustain but thrive at this time. So it's always beautiful um, to hear that, especially when, for example, you know me being a numbers guy, studying everything, knowing that 40% of our businesses, particularly, went went under in this short period of time as of March. 40% of African American businesses went under. And so um, not only to hear you thrive, but to see that you position yourself, as you said, created a program that let, let some of those businesses get the information to access grants, and now they're in business as well. Like that is a huge, you know, props, if, if I can give y'all for just being able to be in this position. And one other aspect, and I would love to hear both of your thoughts on this, is something that you know, from time to time, you know, we do hard conversations on race, sex, and gender on this show quite often, but I love when we do our business shows, if you will. And over the years of doing some of the business shows, something that some of our brought plenty of heavy hitters, Rashad included, uh, onto the show, talking about the aspect of us jumping in other industries, if you will, and not saturating some of maybe some of the business areas that we quite often are in, you know, whether it be barbershop, hair salons, and, or, you know, offering, um, you know, soaps and things of that nature. And no, not because there are people that are killing that as well. But I've heard those entrepreneurs say, hey, let's jump in some of these other industries. And I'm loving hearing this story from both of you, husband and wife team, navigating this situation, but y'all are the go-to. Like, that blows my mind that the, that the knowledge base is, hey, we could do this. We could do, you know, to have a government interest and say, hey, can you do this for us? And y'all pulled it off in three weeks. Like, that's blowing my mind. But if y'all can, in a sense, just kind of speak to that aspect of exploring this new industry, because that's something that if I could wave a wand, I would highly recommend it to any of our future entrepreneurs. Get, look at this new space, this digital space, and see where you can create a new and end up standing out the same, similar to um, how y'all have with um, Bunafoo. So, uh, please speak to that. Please speak to that because I'm loving what I'm hearing. So one of the, I mean, this industry has blown up because of, you know, the the COVID. I mean, it, it's called instructional design. So, you know, there's now, there's always been programs that you can go to school for um, and get experience and educational technology is, you know, the big thing now. You know, you're getting apps and different technologies that um, uh, different platforms that are out there. And so if you're looking into getting into, you know, industry like this, those are the kind of like the key terms that you would look at, um, distance learning or um, instructional design, or which are just how do you organize information in a way that people can take in the content um, in a digital or virtual world. Um, and so, uh, the, and there's different best practices and skills around that. Um, so uh, also, um, Maurice may be able to talk a little bit about uh, some of the work that he's done, like with his academy and um, 
some work that he's had to do even flipping online as far as um, maybe some trends and some things that he has uh, um, had to work with um, as far as this digital world as well. Yeah, I would, um, as far as opportunities in the space, uh, one of the things that, again, it comes, it's just, it's almost, if you just take what you see in education as far as, uh, you know, what the makeup of teachers are uh, and, and, and administrators in education, um, the same sort of thing exists here as well. And so, you know, there's a need for instructional designers that, uh that have uh, a different perspective, minority instructor designers, um, and how to, and the, and the way I look at it, because I'm not, I don't have an educator background. Um, I, in my current like daytime job, I do uh, have, I'm in charge of a training academy. So, um, you know, some of these things uh, kind of blur line, but there's not the voice again of some of our minority populations is not necessarily heard. Uh, and so from an education perspective, instructional design is what professionalizes your training. So, yes, you can, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can train you on how to, you know, put a car together uh, by just sitting there and telling you how to do it. But how do you do it in such a way that um, it's professionalized, um, it's done in a way that it ensures that every objective um, is hit, is done in a fair way, um, one of the things that I've experienced at the, the academy I'm at, um, we used to do a lot of on-the-job training a long time ago, and depending on who your trainer was, dictating mm-hmm. what information you get or not get. Exactly. Right? And so, so instructional design is the thing that basically levels the playing field and ensures that everybody gets the same thing. Um, but even in it, it's planted if you don't, you know, oh, perfect example. Um, Jennifer's uh, working a project now, um, and I thought this was really cool. Matter so of fact, let's do, this, let's do this, Mo, because we're up against the break. Okay. Let's go to that example okay. coming out of the break, if you will. For anybody out there, I okay. see some callers out there. Again, if y'all are enjoying the show, no problem. If you want to ask a question of uh, Jennifer or Mo, please just hit the one, and we'll get you in. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Sit back and enjoy a little music from Square Business Entertainment's Taylor Pace, Can't Think About Love. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. When an old couple prays, the sky's full of sun rays. Taking helicopter rides over the Frisco Bay. And roll a coast ride. Kids winning first prize. When people are truly happy with themselves inside. Like mountains cast with snow. Where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most 
It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know with me. Because I look like money. Hi, welcome to this brief explanatory video titled, Spice Up Your Learning Aids. This video will discuss the important elements of learning aids, such as infographics, guides, handbooks, workbooks, and mini-videos. The process of learning is heavily influenced by the different type of materials at the disposal of the learner. These elements are essential as they help the learner retain more because humans are prone to forget things easily. Introducing various types of elements that learners can use to create more engaging and meaningful learning experiences is key to spicing things up and boosting learners' engagement. Presenting the learning process in the usual boring way actually shuts down the learner's cognitive processing. One perfect way to spice up any learning experience is to employ the use of videos. Videos deliver better engagement than just text or images because they combine audio, video, and text. No other efficient way to tell stories, share information, and educate beats the use of video to spice up learning. Thank you for watching. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, as you hear another video from Bunifu, and are fortunate enough to have the founders and owners of the company, Jennifer and Maurice Dunn, on with us. Maurice, I think you were going into a, an example about, again, what, what you're able to do in this in this industry, in this space, that kind of levels the playing field. So if you will, yeah, definitely speak to us about that example, if you will, Kane. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we, we were, we're working, we're currently uh, working a project, and um, uh, Jennifer requested we required potentially some voiceover, some voiceover, um, and we called a young lady, um, and she was, and she was so gracious on, you know, saying, you know, what she could provide and things of that nature. Um, and so, and she also, the project we're working um, is geared for um, basically minority students, uh, again in the literacy space, uh, phonics, uh, things of that nature, and so. Her recommendation, she was, a, she was a Caucasian woman. Her recommendation, she said, I can definitely do the work, no problem, but there's actually an African-American voiceover association that I would like mm -hmm. to direct you to because I want to make sure that the training is all kind of concurrent together. Wow. Uh, and Beautiful. it relates to the students that are getting the information. And I thought that was, I mean, both Jennifer and I thought that was so cool that she even recognized saw that. Um, and that she was giving us assistance by getting us to uh, another group of folks that could actually, you know, make the training even greater. So I say all of that to say, like, the, the need for cultural competence within education is so important 
And it's not to separate. It's just to ensure that everyone gets the information that is required for them to be successful and to get opportunities in this country. So that was the, the, the value of the example of, of that. So there is room for folks in this space uh, that want to do something different, maybe get into something that they never thought of, uh, and to provide a great benefit not only to a certain community, but just to the country in general. Uh, beautiful. What type of skill sets um, or backgrounds, if you will, that you would even recommend again? Or, um, you know, I know at one point um, I had you on one of our um, mental dialogue Zoom calls, but at the time y'all were even looking for, I think, particular instructors. So it might be a good time to even speak to that if you are still even in need of that. And as well, just kind of helping people maybe who, again, not thought about this space, what type of backgrounds would be you know, in a sense, beneficial to have before, in a sense, jumping into in this space. You know, obviously, an educational background, but again, we're talking about digital products. If if I understand this correctly. So you know, honestly, when um, me, I just want to talk a little bit about my experience and my background. I ha- I mean, I'm an educator. Okay. Yes, I've been a teacher before. But um, as far as educational technology, it was something that I decided that I wanted to learn, and I did have the opportunity to learn when I was on the job, but I have not, you know, I was not formally trained. I then went back Mm -hmm. and got some certifications in the training. Um, I mean, I do a lot of video production, Um, so, you know, being able to do video editing, Um, also, you know, it's funny because I, I like certain type of music, and so Students like certain type of music. Adults like certain type of music. So, um, of course, you can't use certain music because it's it's copywritten, and so you want to make sure that you have um, the correct music. So you may have a DJ. I've even looked at different people who make beats um, to put into uh, the music or, you know, poetry and spoken word um, that might relate in a different way. So, I mean, we're pretty much wow. open to – when we're looking at people who are supporting the work, because we're not looking, we're, I mean, Bunafu means thinking outside of the box, being creative. So we're looking for people who have the audacity to be creative and be maverick and, and think outside the box. So, um, so, and some of the skills, yes, I do have a curriculum writer who has certification in reading from K to 12. Um, I have folks that have business backgrounds. And when I say folks, I have strategic partners. And without Mm -hmm. them, we would not be able to do what we're doing at this level at this point. I mean, before it was just Maurice and I, but then we needed to hire people who really specialized and had a passion for this work. So we have, you know, graphic designers who who really develop a lot of our um, handouts and and digital materials. Um, also, our, we have some instructional designers who have been trained in instructional design to use certain authoring tools like Adobe Captivate or Articulate Storyline or some of the, the mm-hmm. um, authoring tools that are used. Um, so, you know, we have trained and folks that are just passionate. We have people who, um, who are just what they like to be called creatives. Um, that are very artistic, and they just bring another element to elevate the work that we do to make sure that it is engaging um, for all students and, um, now, this and is, adults. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please finish. No, absolutely. No, I, 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 I love. I, no, I love the approach. 
because I'm hearing again, you know, I guess, you know, uh, Mo, we just have this very fortunate circle, and Rashad is coming, his his words are coming to me again um, as we're having this conversation, because I remember, um, if you recall, we uh, we did um, – a money motivation series, which was another one of our sponsors that you've heard on the commercial. Um, Holly, check, go check out the hottest clothing brand out there. I, that's, I love their gear, moneymotivation.com. But I remember we were doing the money motivation um, series on the Mental Dialogue platform. And Rashad, on another occasion, um, was asked about, in a sense, how he scaled his business to be able to consult and take on these major contracts. And he said he had to learn that he didn't have to limit himself to the business that only he knew because he could go after bigger contracts because he knew other people that could assist him with the other parts of the contract. But when he only thought about you know, what his skill set was or his company's skill set was, it limited what he could go after afterwards. So it sounds like Y'all have been able, as you keep using this term, and I love it, strategic partners, you've, you've kind of said, okay, we can go after things because it sounds like either you've already built relationships or you have a way to access others who do it. And the reason I'm focusing on this is because uh, y'all are absolutely taking that approach. And the first time I really heard it was Rashad talking about his own company. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs can get stuck in only going after work that they can do uh, because they haven't made enough um, strategic partnerships. So, you know, I only have you, you know, both of you for only a few minutes, but I just think it's a great place to talk about that from a business level, um, if you will. If y'all want to stay on for a little longer, I would love to have you um, as well. Um, I'm a, if I can, I want to say this real quick before you answer. Um, Jennifer, I'm going to play one of your other commercials at the top of the hour, so I'm going to make you stay on at least past the hour to plug the company <laughs> after the commercial. So just let me let you know I am keeping you on for at least that long. But if y'all could just kind of jump into, uh, you know, in a sense, how y'all navigated with these strategic partners or maybe a little more detail on that. I, I'll jump in on that one. Um, and, I, and I'm going to go back to something and hopefully I won't take too much time. But, you know, we kind of skimmed over the whole e-conference thing. And um, mm-hmm. the do there is, uh, you know, Jennifer and, and you know how we roll, my Smitty. Um, let me go, we go, go back to where we started, you know, uh, we try to, you know, mm-hmm. stay with family, um, connect with family, connect with close friends, stay in the network. And so uh, in working with uh, Jennifer's uh, sister, uh, her husband does a, did a lot of these face-to-face conferences. And so uh, we got an opportunity to work with him on this uh, e-conference thing uh, with a group, uh, WOW, Women of the World. Um, and it was a 24-hour international conference because her husband actually is from the U.K. Um, and so it was 10 different, like, time zones, um, all this sort of stuff. And we just – our role really was um, kind of just to come in and, and kind of manage some things. And in mm-hmm. Devin's his name, he was the one that actually had the expertise. And so that right there spoke to the, what I think you're trying to get to is – um, your web is a lot bigger if you include other folks into the mix. If you just look at it from mm-hmm. your perspective, you're missing out on opportunities. So to participate in a conference like that, 10 different time zones, international, um, wow. was awesome. Yep. And we wouldn't have been able to do that if we didn't have a, a network or the family uh, to be able to uh, understand that, hey, we got a piece of it, you got a piece of it, let's do this together. 
And like an old phrase uh, someone said to me a long time ago, we all can eat. We all can eat together. And so um, a lot of our strategic partnerships are just been stuff that we've gathered from our network. Um, and, and the whole thing is we're trying to help their business out. They're trying to help our business out. It's not really a new concept because when we were coming up and trying to figure out how we could scale and grow our business, that was the number one thing they always would say, partner with other businesses. Uh, and so we just, you know, we put it in play and um, we started with, so, you know, if there's any young entrepreneurs out there, um, yes, you can cold call. Yes, you can, you know, knock on doors and put out flyers and things of that nature. But start with your network first. You'll be surprised of the amount of people that have either have the knowledge that you need or they know someone who does. And that's how we built uh, our strategic partnerships. Um, and, again, we promote them just as much. I think if you look at the website, you'll see uh, we have yeah. a strategic partner page, um, and you can see the people that we're working with, and we'll take anybody on um, that wants to, to grow together. No, I love it. We are at the top of the hour, so I'm going to play this commercial. So, I'm gonna, like I say, I'm going to at least steal this amount of time with you. The second hour is an open call hour, so if you're out there waiting to get in on the open call, definitely feel free. Uh, but, again, we're going to play this commercial um, from Bunifu. Did I get it right? Yes. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I got it right? Okay, sounds good. Yeah, right, I got to get it right for yeah. the end. Right, yeah, Bunifu. Got it. So this is our commercial, and if you will, Jennifer, coming out of the commercial, plug your business and anything that y'all are looking for or need or how people can access you, let's give them that information after this commercial. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hello, I'm Jennifer Dunn, CEO and co-owner of Bunifu Learning for Life. And in this video, we're going to review our team's work with a special focus on self-paced work samples. Our goal is to provide e-learning experiences that help organizations deliver the right knowledge to employees and young learners and customers so they can achieve success. Our vision is to help people to fundamentally grow and transform into lifelong learners with solutions that help them learn and relearn quickly. We believe learning is power. It is a lifelong process of self-directed and self-paced journey of discovery. Our work includes many videos that include testimonials and explainer information with stock and animation or motion graphics to name a few. We also can help with creating blended learning experiences by creating ways to facilitate real-time questions and answer and knowledge exchange. Branding is available for all learning assets, as well as certificate design and assessment writing. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's first hour, conversation with smart people, Jennifer and Maurice Dunn, owners of Bunafu, if you will, Queen, plug your company and tell people how they can get in contact if they need assistance with what you both of you are doing. Thank you so much for breaking all of that down in the first hour. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Queen. Thank you so much for having us. Um, this was a, a great opportunity. 
um, for anyone who wants to um, utilize e-learning services or digital services to support your business or support your organization, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit organization or school or district, um, feel free to look at our website. We have work samples on our website. Um, you can look at our strategic partner page to see who's supporting, who are, what our skills are, and that's at www.bunifuelearning.com. That's www.bunifuelearning.com. You also can give us a call at 703-655-8488. We're looking for customers or strategic partners. Hey, love it. Y'all have been wonderful. Yeah, you know, I know you got a, a James to get back to, but if you know, if you decide to stay on and hang out, uh, you know, I gotta try to I gotta thug out this next hour. I, I hope I don't have to talk all by myself. So the callers is out there, y'all need to start pushing one and get me through this open call. But again, the first hour, wonderful. Uh definitely look them up if you will, um Mo text me that website so I'll make sure when I put the replays up that I always have the website right there for people to click on it. Hey, Smitty, I just want to uh, thank you as well. Um, really appreciate this. It's a great opportunity uh, for us, and uh, we support uh, mental dialogue. And uh, if there's in, if all the listeners that are out there, um, make sure that you continue to listen in on this brother. He's got a great message, uh, and it's counter to what you may be hearing in other places, and uh, it definitely does uh, make you think. But before I jump off, uh, there's one other person that wants to say something because he's also – uh, part of this business as well. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's James. up, James? What's up, James? Glad to have you on. Uh, you clearly, you, you know, you're the catalyst for all of this. You know, and, I, and I'm pretty sure your parents have told you that. But I, you know, knowing Mo and Jennifer very well, y'all mentioned it. You know, you know, obviously y'all were wanting to make sure he had a culturally relevant um, education. And I know Mo, you know, we go way back, and that's always been so important to both of us. So to see you actually create a product and a service in a space that I know you deeply care about for your son, um, that's the ultimate win. Uh, you know, even in a sense before putting it out for the world. So you're building that foundation. So, James, glad to have you on with us. Uh, you're right there in the uh, lap of your, you know, your mother and father learning um, how to carry this business on because I know he, Mo will be looking to hand it over to you. So you got a big task, young brother. What's <laughs> <laughs> up? All right. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love both of you. Uh, we'll make this happen. I got a caller that wants to get in and get this open call hour started. Um, again, if you get a few extra minutes, Mo, you can always call back in. But thank you all for this first hour. Thank you. Bye-bye. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, let's, let's get this open call ready. We got 502-283 ready to get in. It's open call hour. It can be anything you like. I want to announce before I bring on the first caller, First truth seeker, as I call all of you, my audience, uh, I want to announce for anybody that's calling in, we are doing a Buy Black Manifesto on Black Friday, which is uh, November the 27th, um, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's an invite-only Zoom call. 
So for all of you callers, if you're if the phone number I have for you is correct, I will definitely get you an invite. It's going to be a discussion about buying black from the consumer side to the business owner side, and then we're going to move into an online marketplace where we'll be introducing dynamic black-owned businesses to those who are on the call. So every caller that calls in, you will get that private link via Zoom sent to you if you so choose. So if you're online listening and wasn't thinking about calling, then, you know, get in here so you can enjoy the um, the online uh, black marketplace for Buy Black on Black Friday. So I wanted to announce that, and I'll keep announcing that as we go. Um, but let's go get our first caller in here, 502-283. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this open call hour. Thank you for being a part of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Smitty, what's going on? This is B-Funk. Oh, man, I should have known I could count on B-Funk. <laughs> B-Funk from Louisville. <laughs> well, and, and I want to challenge one thing. I was waiting for Mo to get off the line because uh, I ain't really a truth seeker. And uh, he, years ago, he and I were on a deployment to IUD Qatar, man. And, and I ain't want him to be here when I lie about how good I was on the basketball court. You know what I'm saying? They used to say I... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know hey. yeah, Mo, yeah, Mo was a beast. He was a beast on that court, so he definitely would have called you out. So you was out, you was over there killing him, huh, before? <laughs> hey, hey, you know what they said about me? That boy could steal the pill, he could block the rock, and he could jam the yam. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you definitely want Mo to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm still, hey, I'm still on the line. Oh damn, damn. Oh! No, you busted. You busted for me, folks. <laughs> so, so no. Moses, we got you. Was he? Was he? Was he stealing the pill and and, and jamming the yam? Uh, we can say it was something like that. <laughs> Without all of that, yeah, yeah, man, those were good times, and, and uh, I look back on the pictures fondly, but it. It was special to hear this show, man. You know how, uh, Smitty, how I feel about education and, and how, I mean, mm-hmm. knee deep in it every day from uh, the community I live in, the highest levels of education, to uh, neighboring communities like East St. Louis, the, some of the lowest levels. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where where uh, Jennifer and Mo are talking about um attacking this at the primary education level, you know, it could because it translates. I was listening to a Brookings Institute um, uh, deal on, on black men. Uh, yes. Or yeah, I think it was yesterday or Thursday. And it was because it was the uh, day of the black men and that's the day of, of black men that they were uh, celebrating. And the uh, brother on there was talking about uh in the top 15 jobs, brothers represent 15%. In the um, uh, lower, I'm sorry, they they represent, uh, they are underrepresented. In the okay. lowest 15 jobs, uh, salary-wise, uh, brothers are overrepresented. Underrepresented mm-hmm. in the top 15, lower. Now, in education, those are the same things that, that we um uh, fought against in the schools that I, I worked in because mm-hmm. in the advanced placement programs, we were uh, grossly underrepresented in special mm-hmm. ed and learning disabilities, things like that. We were overrepresented. So this stuff translates. 
And one of the challenges you have in education is, is right now they're saying these kids aren't learning online. And it, it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily speak. I, I don't. I think what Jennifer and Mo is speaking to is how we leverage the new way these kids learn. And when we say that mm-hmm. it is, a, when you hear folks saying that it's it's a um, it's hindering their learning, I think what we're really speaking to is the the skills that our teachers were raised in. They were, you know, at best some of these teachers sense. were raised ten years ago, twenty years ago. You got fifty year teachers out there. They're not comfortable mm-hmm. with this new space, and what you're saying is, yeah, it becomes they, easy. It becomes easy to just say the kids are not learning, or that this right. new environment is the issue. And and I, and it sounds like what I'm hearing you clearly say is that it's it's us failing to adjust to this new environment, which Mo and Jennifer definitely are doing with, um, with uh, you know, beautiful. Um, I'm sorry to cut you off, brother, but I, I just, I think I, I think I just, I feel like you clearly are trying to resonate that it ain't the kids, even though that's kind of how they're they're kind of laying it at the feet of this new environment. And and when I was in education uh, as a school board member, that was one of the things I challenged was you cannot continue to say it's the kids because it takes the responsibility and the onus off of us to adjust our game. Um, we can say these kids are, you have to find the environment. And, and I think uh, Jennifer talked about this, where how do you customize it for these kids? So it's self-paced and, and things like that. And they have some great programs out there. Now my daughter does it. She'll do a math problem. If she gets it right, she moves on to the next level. Uh, interactively, uh, that, that game or the mm-hmm. uh, program adjusts to it. If she gets it wrong, then she'll do three more problems at that level until she gets it right. And then mm. she moves on. And, that, and, and that's without a teacher. You know what I'm saying? That's uh, the, right. the program adjusting to her. You know? and, and I think that's, that's critically important. But I just thought, uh, and I think, when we have educators, and I always say it's when us old gray-haired folks get out of the way, man, these young people are going to do some things. They proved it this summer. You know what I mean? They got ideas. And when we get out of the way and recognize that this is how we leverage the classroom and expand beyond the 30 people that we can fit in a brick and mortar, then we're going to be on our way. So I just thought it was a good discussion and it is, they are on the leading edge of, of where education is going. That's why I'm getting, getting uh, advertisements for Grand Canyon University uh, because that's where education is, significant portion of our, our uh, secondary mm-hmm. education students are learning online now. Now it makes sense, Mo. You want to speak to any of uh, what? Because um, again, you're in this space. I got um, Brother Pianki wanting to get in as well. But I'm, you know, if Mo, if you're still on here, uh, please jump yeah. in a little bit on what uh, B Funk had to say. Thanks for the call, B Funk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B Funk, it's always a pleasure, man. And, and you're, yeah, 100 percent correct. So I'm not going to repeat everything you said. I'll, I'll look at it. I'll take you from a parent's perspective. And uh, yeah, I agree. The teachers are not necessarily prepared or ready for this um, and even though some of them are younger they're still working in these systems um, and so some mm-hmm. of the administrators need to let some of the teachers kind of figure some of this stuff out creative um, I think one of one of the things we sometimes have an issue with is you know uh, James doesn't necessarily get all the one-on-one support um, you know they break it down to you know small groups but even in those small groups you got like six kids 
in the small group and you have like 30 minutes to try to knock it out. Um, but there's some specific things that James needs or other kids need. Uh, and so they have to, they got to take a little bit of time uh, and energy. And then, like I said before, and what we noticed from our perspective, uh, and like I said, Jennifer has done this thing for years, not only do they have to figure that piece out, they also got to figure out the cultural competency piece of it and just the economic things as well. You know, we're lucky in a sense or blessed in a sense that, you know, I'm working from home, Jennifer's working from home, um, and that we can focus on James enough to get what he needs. But some kids, they're trying to figure this stuff out on their own, and this is because their parents got to go to work. So um, it, right. it, it, it's going to take, take a whole village of folks to figure out how to do this. I think it can be – I think it, if you get it together, it can be more efficient and effective in a sense from a learning perspective. Um, I think kids can learn a lot more than what you and I and, and B-Funk did. Um, in a shorter period mm-hmm. of time, um, it's just a matter of figuring out how to sequence it, how to put it together, how to ensure that everybody is getting it and it, you know it's fair and equal. So, but yeah, I'm I'm all for nah, it. Makes, with B-Funk. Nah, it makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, it sounds like we like what B-Funk said. We're gonna have to rely on these millennials a lot more. I am up against a break. Um, both of you are free to stay on. I'm gonna go to Brother Pianki coming out of the break. Um, you know, and, and Brother Pianki out of St. Louis. I don't know. He might be calling from somewhere else, but that's where he's from. And so uh, he may be wanting to speak in on this. He loves talking about education as well. So um, I appreciate you hanging on with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. For just now tuning in, you missed the first hour with Jennifer and Maurice Dunn, the owners of Bunafu, an e-learning platform for our conversation with smart people. The second hour is open call. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-8787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. You will have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. This is an open call for all the truth seekers. You can talk about anything you like. Um, You will also have an opportunity to attend our private Zoom Black, buy Black on Black Friday, Buying Black Manifesto event on Friday. So I will get that information to you if you call in and take advantage of this open call. Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis, how you doing today? Chief Chief Pianchi, as I now call you, how you doing? Thanks for calling in, uh, brother. Hey, I'm doing real well. Always a pleasure to hear the ed- uh, talks on uh, 
Education. Was that Brent that was talking? Uh, the other yep, gentleman? Yeah, Brent before. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I thought I recognized. Me and Brent talk quite a bit on the different things. But, uh, nice. you know, the, the virtual learning, you know, online learning should have been something that was ongoing before COVID because it's just another means of obtaining information and providing the resources that goes along with everything else in molding that child to be as pertinent as it can be. Uh, There are sites online that specialize in uh, analyzing a child, should I say, uh, finding out what their weaknesses are, and then giving them that instructions in order to address their weaknesses. And that's something that should have been used a long time ago. But, you know, another thing, I was just thinking the other day of how the experiences I had coming up. I think I mentioned this to Brent. We was exposed to subjects that enticed our mechanical, electrochemical, and physics skills that we had innerly within us. You know, whether it was Lego blocks, whether it was chemistry Mm -hmm. set, whether it was the Radio Shack, electrical uh, Mm -hmm. kits where you could do countless Mm -hmm. projects. And young people are not exposed to these things today. And, you know, as far as African-Americans are concerned, I was looking at some statistics about the black belt there in Georgia. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you and I have some different agreements. It's because I don't experience the things that you have. But looking at right. your black belt, the only way that's going to be solved is not going to be the state. It's not going to be the federal government. It's going to take black people themselves to lift them children out of the position that they're in, not of their own doing, but because the circumstances that they were born in. And that's what it's going to take because I've seen and waited, heard, talked about, and watched people with expectations of others, whether it's a government agency or somebody mm-hmm. from the moon. It just don't work. You have to do that yourself. And you know one other thing, following. Teachers should be from industry. You know, if you start that child off early, you know, I'm going to tell you something. And and somebody just made mention about if you make a mistake, you got to start all over. That's where I taught my grandson on the infield practice. I hit him 100 balls. If he got to 89 and he fumbled it and if he bobbled it, he had to start all over. So you know what that does. The closer they get Mm -hmm. to that goal, they put more concentration so they don't make a mistake where they have to start all over. And it worked very well. And teachers should be from the industry of the subject that's being taught more so than the common teacher itself because the common teacher itself went through classroom instruction, college instruction, but they didn't have no industry hands-on experience. No, I love it. And I got Brent trying to get back in. I was going to let him back in anyway. Um, So I'm going to keep y'all on together because um, I recall when Brent was going for the school board, I remember hearing I, he and I having a dialogue, which you've, I've heard you mention this as well, Brother Pierre, and I'm pretty sure he might, he's probably going to go here when I bring him back on. But I just remember him having a dialogue 
about, you know, him having that Air Force experience, uh, trying to have the district create programs where they created, you know, where people could come out of industry, maybe spend a year outside of their industry, kind of get a break from their industry, teach kids, and it still benefit them and it doesn't hurt them in their career. I remember him and I having that conversation on uh, one night. But I'm going to go ahead and bring um, uh, Brent on to see what he has to say in reference to what we're talking about. But thank both of y'all for helping me get through this open call hour because I definitely don't want to be talking to everybody for an hour by myself. What you got for us, Brent? And, and I didn't know that you really listened to me because that's exactly the point I was going to bring up. That Tiachi speaks to is, you know, people coming from industry, whether it's Boeing or the, you know, you having a because we and what it complements is our our uh, teacher shortage that we see nationally, internationally. Are you able to supplement that teacher shortage with people from industry, kind of like the National Guard? You know. Um, when it's time, times of contingency, we bring folks in that do this part-time, and, and they come and fill in while we have a garrison force of teachers, principals, and, and folks that, that hold down the fort uh, while, while people from industry transition in and out. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a really good point. That, and, and I think it, it, it's much more uh, dynamic for the the classroom is much more dynamic for the students that are in there as well is uh, the idea behind that. But I wanted to speak to also the, from a policy perspective, what, um, where Mo and, and Jennifer are getting into um, the current uh, presidential administration is, is has suggested um, school vouchers and, and things like that. And what you're doing is saying, this, school, this public school is not good for you. Here's a voucher. You can go somewhere else. And I, but why, and I think that hurts our public schools because you're taking money out of those schools. I think the opportunity in policy is not, uh, well, in public schools, each public school has something good to offer if students are able to take classes from different places. If we all on the same public school system, why can't I go to Roosevelt for my English because it's a, uh, a liberal arts magnet school and I go to Johnson High School for, for my technical stuff and we put all that together for my graduation and technology allows you to do that and it doesn't take away from our, our public schools like when we send folks, send kids with a voucher to charter or parochial school. Uh, I love the thought, uh, brother Pianchi. You're on here as well, and I, let me let me say this before you speak, because I'm just I'm, I'm kind of listening and learning, and yeah, Brett, I, be fun. I always, you know, remember conversation. That's kind of you know just kind of who I've always been, and you know, and, and it was such a it was such a such a great point, and you know, clearly it, it fit the situation we we're talking about now. But um, brother Pianchi, before you respond, there's a couple things I've heard from both of you that I would just kind of like to introduce, and then we can you know kind of dialogue it out, um, but. Like when you were talking about the idea of, you know, a child being assessed uh, that, that's available online now. And so I'm like blown away because it's, it's letting me know, again, Brent, you've been in the education space intentionally for a number of years now. Um, you, know, I don't, I, you know, my mentoring and after school program is, you know, is, is a certain level of it. But again, you're just a lot more invested in having a child in the, you know, in the school district and going all the way to school board. So you have a much more vested interest. And so as I hear Brother Pianchi talk about, you know, that assessment or that example you gave where your, you know, your daughter can repeat something because she misses it, like how customized, which again speaks to um, Boonafu and what Mark 
Maurice and um, what Jennifer are doing. Uh, but as I hear all of that, it makes me realize, damn, we kind of like Brother Pianchi said, we could have been doing all of this to include what you just said. Because of technology now, I don't have to necessarily ship out the best students out of a school and leaving all of those other kids there just to kind of make do. And we already know it's a bad school, and it's been a bad school for 30 years. With technology, that becomes less of an excuse if we're more open, sounds like what you're saying, Brent, to the millennials and the younger people going ahead and advancing that technology versus having people kind of hold on to this is how we've always done it, if you will. But I know I said a lot in there, Brother Pianchi, but your thoughts as well, and we'll go back to you as well, Brent. Anybody that wants to get in, we can change the topic. It doesn't have to be education. It is an open call. Get in and press one, if you will. But go ahead, Brother Pianchi. Thanks for staying on with me. Well, you know, I'm I'm a a person who always has supported the school choice. And I was going to say this. Brent, you know, over there in Illinois, you got Parks College, Parks College of Aviation, Aeronautical Engineer. And on the St. Louis side, for a young person to get involved with aviation, they would have to graduate from high school and possibly go to St. Louis University. But you have schools around the country where a child is as young as ninth grade is going to a school that teaches aviation. So if a parent in St. Louis or in your district where you live wanted to attend Park College, in order to get that particular set of educational skills, then they should be able to do so, and that money should be able to follow that child because disadvantaged children is never going to catch up. They're never going to catch up. They get close, but they're not going to catch up, and that's something that's very important. Young ch- uh, young kids started from pre-K to about the third grade. They should be on par. And what I mean on par is the ability to do of math at that level, reading at that level, or anything else at that level. And I still uh, still like to say that a child should be given an aptitude to see where their inner abilities lie as early as possible. Mm-hmm. And then start directing it. And, you know, being that we are African Americans, and, I, and, I, and, and the information I give is, is specifically designed toward them because we are so lacking in different areas. You know, we just put up an astronaut in the name of, uh, what's his name, Victor? I can't think of his last Victor Glover. Victor Glover came mm-hmm. out of, came out of uh, Pomona, which is right outside of South Central L.A. But when you look at his bio and the things that he done in order to get to where he is, he had to learn those skills. Somebody had to instruct him and work with him where he could do those things on his own. He didn't wait for others to do that. And I think that's something that we have to do as a group. Your rust belt has approximately, according to the statistics of Montoya, you got about 157,000 black kids in the black belt there in Georgia. And they are socially disadvantaged. Well, it's going to have to be some effort, some sacrificial effort mm-hmm. where people go in and work with groups of those young people in order to get them up where they supposed to be. You're either going to have to sacrifice on the front end or you're going to be sacrificing it on the back end. And we know what that picture looks like. Exactly. And they should like not absolutely. be allowed to lavish in that disadvantaged position. 
Now that's strong. That's strong. We're up against another break. Um, I'll keep both of you on if y'all got time. We got some other callers out there. Y'all press one. This is a free flow. Um, open call. So again, you know, two of my long time callers supporting and helping me get through the hour, but we are definitely open. We can change the subject, continue on this subject, whatever y'all want to talk about. This is an open call hour. We're going to a break by Money Motivation, moneymotivation.com. Check them out. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. My co-host, Amber Page, is give her a Saturday off when we have our Conversation with Smart People series. We was fortunate enough to have on Jennifer and Maurice Dunn, owners of um, Bunafu, um e-learning platform for the last hour. I uh, got a couple of callers in on longtime callers, uh, Brother Pianchi and uh, Brett House, a connection actually made live on the air. Again, our mission with the Mental Dialogue Community Club is to be a virtual neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, services, and products and support one another. So I'd like to highlight the fact that these brothers met on this platform, realizing they were in similar areas, and now I just found out this morning that they've been in conversation. I knew they had talked about being in contact, but finding it out on the air is pretty cool. Again, we are a virtual neighborhood. Anybody out there listening, you are all welcome. The number to get in is 646-787-1691. But to speak, you must press 1, uh, which both of these brothers have. Um, and I'll kind of turn it back over to you, B-Funk, who's still uh, on with us. Um, one thing I will say, um, again, you know, me and as Brother Pianchi alluded to, uh, maybe differing on, in a sense, the policy side. The one thing that does resonate for me, and I've had Brother Pianchi on um, in the past in his show talking about, for example, how he's helped his grandson navigate, who I think is uh, still at LSU on a baseball scholarship out there. But anyway, um, in that navigating and talking about that idea of being intentional, so it's almost regardless of where you fall, on the policy side of it, where I absolutely agree with him, is the concept of being intentional. Uh, you know, as he lay out, as he laid out the numbers accurately, even for my state in Georgia, uh, what's happening here with, you know, in a sense, the number of children who unfortunately are typically not. When we say on level, just for anybody out there listening, um, generally speaking, the, the regular assessments, and Jabran, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you being in that field. But for the most most part, just, you know, is your child on reading level? Is your child on math level? At math level? And there's so many studies out there talking about when your child, for example, is behind on reading level, and he's absolutely right. Um, in this Rust Belt, Georgia being one of them, we do have a number of African-American kids who are 
who are behind and not on the reading level, if you will. And, you know, and something that I, that I constantly advocate for is for, for example, STEM, the, the, the subject science, technology, engineering, and math. And, you know, now people say STEAM for arts. And I'm definitely, again, an advocate of the arts. So we want to include them as well. But I always advocate that STEM or STEAM should become our new NFL. Uh, from the standpoint that in another, speaking of Georgia specifically, over the next decade, we're about to be 70,000 jobs unfulfilled in those particular arenas by the entire state. So that's a, a, a area where any group that focuses on it can win. And I know uh, Brother Piaggi is obviously advocate, always advocating for you know STEM in that sense. Um, but my bigger point is agreeing with the concept of being intentional, and intentional starts with messaging. And you know the same way uh, Brother Piaggi had his son out there doing the hundred, you know the hundred ground balls because his son, as he always keeps saying, had an innate ability in baseball, and he cultivated that. Uh, you know we find we kind of we quite we quite often find our parents doing a good job for those kids who have potential sports abilities and it's the same thing you could do in some of these STEM areas as well because what you find even for uh, a lot of and I've and I've seen these studies and, and I know th- from going through an engineering school wasn't my cup of tea but you know you was able to pull it off and you know and go through and get through the school and become a pilot if you will um, but I definitely have seen the studies where um, our African American some of our brightest African American students even in getting to college they find that their peers in the STEM classes will will kind of be trained at early ages way ahead of them whereas a lot of African American kids got their interest in high school or come to find out a lot of their peers were in science competitions in the fourth grade. So I'm just trying to say a whole lot there and, and you know, and just let you jump in where you fit in, um, um, because, again, I agree with Brothers Pianchi's idea of being intentional regardless of what policy exists, which one you agree with or don't agree with. You know, we could stand to be more intentional as a culture, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, th- I think you hit on where we all agree if a – uh, we agree with the science that says if a, a child is not in, on reading level by the third grade, he is going to continually to to divert uh, negatively um, um, from the the path of of academic success, and you know he's, he's going to miss those gates where he's able to get into honors and advanced placement programs and understand the higher level math and, and things uh, like that, um, and. So, so we agree there. I think um, where where the challenge becomes is is developing policy where we agree on how we get that done, where we we send those resources. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know in 2000, I was at a Tuskegee Airmen uh, convention, uh, and I won't say it was in Las Vegas, but the uh, Air Force Human Resource Office officer. He said, how do we get more black? He said, the the average black pilot or average white pilot starts thinking about and working towards flying at the age of 10 years old. The average black pilot thinks about flying, <clears throat> excuse me, at the age of 21. And, and that hit home really hard for me, and that's what launched me into always being focused on education because 
whether you knew it at the time or not, I had always thought about flying, but I didn't think I had the opportunity until you and I met up mm-hmm. when I was 22 years old in college. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and when I got the pilot training, I was behind the curve and had to work a little extra hard. And that's a common refrain from folks coming from the areas like uh, Pianchi's talking about. Um, and what I like about the uh, the the opportunity to what what we miss is the gaps that we have in education is, is what I think uh, the opportunity that Jennifer and Mo are, are seizing on. The gap is how do we uh, get teachers comfortable in teaching in a space, uh, a virtual space, or a mm-hmm. brick and mortar space. You know what I mean? Um, right. Because the kid. The kids have moved on. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like asking ask it's kind of like asking the fish, uh, "How's the water?" And the fish is like, "What water? What are you talking about?" Asking a kid, "How do you do that? What are you talking about? How I do that? I just do it." You know what I mean? They have right, right. I see and, it every and, day. Even once they get to me and after <laughs> school, I see exactly what you're talking about every day. Right, and yeah. So, and, and when people talk about this is bad or this is corrupting, it it absolutely is. If you drink too much water, it will damage your body. Yes, we understand. Right. But if we, uh, if we are able to get in uh, uh, from the educational side and leverage those resources, leverage what these kids are already doing, um, uh, whether it's in the classroom or, or I'm sorry, on the technic- technology side, if we are able to leverage it and let them see how great you already are on your own, you know, it's, it's a tough thing for the father to say, I can't coach you anymore. I got to pass you on to somebody else who can do the work mm-hmm. and, because you got that much talent. And that's what we have to be able to do with these kids and say, look at all this talent you have. How do I translate that? Um, into uh, a productive life, career, or or dream, whatever it is you want to do. And and I think it's eye-opening because uh, right now teachers are saying, I had no idea I could do that, you know, and kids are like, what's the big deal? And if a teacher is boring in the classroom, she's going to be boring online. You know what I'm saying? So we yeah. always have to continue yeah, to develop Yeah, so it becomes those even kids. worse. It becomes even worse when that's <laughs> right. put online. I've never thought about it that way, but you're right because of the sensitivity, you know, like the brain, how, you know, like, for example, you know, now you're talking about just to throw this out there. uh, I remember we did the show on social media and uh, we had the cuts from Simon Simon, who, you know, talks about how our brains have changed by having phones or having access to screens. And so you're absolutely right. If she was bo- if he or she was boring in the classroom, it gets amplified in a digital world who, who, where sensitive, our brain sensitivities are now less prone to keep an attention span based on how it likes to be, you know, um, um, activated if you will so so it becomes so so when you say my child's not learning in this environment you're absolutely right with that particular teacher who hasn't taken advantage of you know the things that we're talking about so this is eye-opening for me again because i'm 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 catching them after school and 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 i you know i got i get i got i got i got it easy you know what i mean from the standpoint of um you know at the end of the day we want it to be fun for them but as long as i teach them something you know we've done our job once we get them in after school 
and you know, and whatever. And I love teaching them, you know, games kind of games ahead of their time. So I I have it easy. But just putting, you know, just hearing everything you're saying and putting it in perspective is is just really eye opening. And, and I'm I'm just glad to have the dialogue, particularly here on the Middle Dollar Community Club, because knowing that our audience mostly looks like us, about uh, you know, I hope that other people are hearing eye opening opportunities because what I'm hearing the most be uh, from from really both of you is um we've been forced into this virtual world obviously by the COVID-19 situation but you can actually come out of it thriving because there's so many opportunities to customize the learning and I've had been fortunate enough to have on like some of the unlearning um, teachers and things on the platform or, or Marilyn O'Dwini for example uh, she, she 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 teaches you know really customizing you know this is an opportunity to customize your child's education so if you're a parent out there uh, and your kids in a sense in my opinion y'all can kind of both jump in and tell me your thoughts but if your student and your child is kind of struggling with this new format think of it as a real opportunity because maybe you can do like brother Pianchi said let's go, go do an assessment that the school's not going to do go an assessment find out what your child's innate ability and drive them in that in that direction especially with technology as Brent said you know what water you know what I mean they, you know this is what they do anyway um, or, or even using that analogy once again it's like the difference of being afraid of jumping in water and not being afraid and so as the older generation if, you know how do we teach them if we're afraid of the water is kind of the analogy I would use but uh, and, you know again I just yeah. I just love this dialogue but uh, go ahead uh, go ahead Brent no I was just uh, agreeing with you I, and, and I think um, mm. You know, uh, Pianchi is, is right on point that we have to get these kids early, get them engaged early, and and the thing is they are engaged. It's the vector that we have to put them on uh, um, to uh, direct that energy. And, you know, another thing, too, and by the way, uh, my grandson is not going to LSU on a baseball scholarship. And my thing with him at first was academics and then baseball. And I remember when he was young, okay. he used to. I, I used to give him do him a hundred ground balls, but I also gave him a hundred math problems daily. <laughs> and he went okay. to my his mother complaining. His mother said he made me do the same thing. Get back in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the point. And you know, I'm gonna tell you something yeah. else. This is how the family, this is why it's so important to have a functional family. Because if the family members notice that something is going on in that household with that child, that niece or nephew, that family comes in there and pulls that child out of that particular household and put them in another household amongst the family. That was the child protective services of old compared to what you have today. And that is very, very important because it takes a family of experiences in order to perfect that child where they can be the greatest that they can possibly be. And we have to do that, especially as as black people, when you look at the data and the areas of great importance, I mean, the areas of building, the areas of medicine, the areas of science, we are not representative of our percentage in the population. And it can be made better, but it takes an effort to do that, Montoya. Sacrifice. No, absolutely. 
No, absolutely. I, I, I have seen some increases, uh, which I'm happy about, you know, in some of those areas. Uh, but, you know, black males in particular have have failed to go grow in the doctor space uh, specifically, which is uh, we we're actually up, a, up against a break, but I would like to maybe have a dialogue with you um, about, you know, what we're up against and what we're seeing from a, from a um, information educational standpoint, even when it comes to quote unquote, you know, this possible vaccine that may come online. Um, I've had the dialogues about that a couple of weeks. So I want to throw that out there and see what y'all think, but we'll be right back. You're listening to the mental dialogue talk show. Well, all I ask is that you Think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Shout out to LG Technologies, one of our longtime sponsors, um, returning with their sponsorship as well as Money Motivation and uh, Square Business Entertainment, holding us down as well as Big Sis Media for any of your graphic website needs. Big Sis Media is one of the best in the game at a high value. You heard some of the beautiful music from Square Business Entertainment, specifically in that first hour. Um, but if you have a business or a service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, um, please give me a call at 404-604-9477. I am proud to announce that, you know, the businesses that have been supporting me, they didn't suffer uh, from this, in a sense, this COVID-19 period. But you as an individual also can support us at mentaldialogue.com as I have um, one of my members, um, um, Gold Level members, um, Brent House on the line with us as well, long-time listener and number one fan of the show, Brother Pianchi, holding me down for this second open call hour. If a few of you that are on the line, if y'all want to join us in this conversation, please press one. Uh, but just, you know, we, we might be on the verge of a, a, a vaccine soon. I've been on record. I volunteered for one of the um, vaccine um, studies, but I got knocked off right before the day before I was supposed to go in with the Pfizer one. Um, I've actually invested a little money, a little amount of money, so I'm not bragging here, um, in Moderna, thanks to one of our other um, smart people, um, Donald Atchison, he was on, and, and um, he put me on game, and he doesn't, and he's against vaccines, but he's like, I'm not against making the money on, on the fact that business is going to thrive while we're in the pursuit of a vaccine, and so he put me on that that little knowledge, and I saw Moderna 
and Pfizer, they're the leading candidates right now. And, again, I am invested. And, again, I am with the vaccine thing, but a lot of our people are not. So just wondering real quick, is any of y'all thoughts uh, in reference to a vaccine coming on online, a willingness to take it or not take it? Um, Brother Piak, I think I'll start with you, and then, Brent, I'll get your thoughts. I'm sorry, I got them both, both muted. I'm going to get y'all back on. Sorry about that. I muted y'all during the commercial. Hold on one second. Anybody else that wants to get in, please press 1. All right, Brother Piaki, uh, any, uh, yeah, any thoughts? Just wondering. If you were supposed to take it and something knocked you out of it, that just goes to show that God works in mysterious ways. But <laughs> before we get off that subject, I want to make another comment I heard you heard you oh, yeah, spoke please on please with do. the earlier guest, and that's what – black businesses and you know i was in a commercial construction see mm-hmm. it's very important see a person that worked at a particular thing for for a decade they know how to get the job done now they're a, a likely candidate for being a contractor but the equipment in many cases is a obstacle that has to be overcome now this is something that black groups can do even churches they can create what's called a target fund. A target fund is if you have a contractor that's bidding on, for instance, road work, and the cost to lease or rent the equipment is high but can be absorbed in the price of the job, but the cost to own it is more efficient. Well, that target fund can buy that piece of equipment for them and then lease it to them based on periodically uh, portions of a building that go against bringing the cost down. That would help contractors Mm -hmm. to be able to compete with others that's out there that's not from our community, if you know what. Because that's what they do. That ain't the only thing they do. I'm not going to talk about it on the show, but that's what – it's called target fund. A church will help a business person by helping them to acquire – the infrastructure that they need, and then that business person will pay back to that pool of money, that target fund. So that there is a way on how you can help create more businesses in areas where they are not presently located. Uh, I love that idea. I I know a few years back, I didn't get well received with it, but I I just, I remember years ago, I I have a, a YouTube where I challenged even our black churches from the standpoint of just ensuring that even people in the congregation know who else is in the congregation is in business. I'm talking about just from a standpoint of having your own yellow pages uh, and, and make sure that each week, each Sunday, a business member is, is, is just featured to say, hey, they're in business. But this even sounds like a greater idea because, you know, again, I don't want to make assumptions about all the churches, but there are definitely some that are bringing in enough funds to easily do something like that to help their own community members compete in some of these larger spaces. So I love the fact that you even threw the idea out there, and I hope somebody gets that seed and runs with it. Even if we never hear about it, um, I'm glad you put it in the space, Brother Piaki. Um, yeah, Brent, any thoughts um, about, you know, either what Punky had to say or even my idea about the, even the vaccine, just your thoughts on it? Just, again, it was just something I was thinking about because, yeah. you know, it sounds like the vaccine may come online, you know, sooner than we think uh, possibly. You know, um, I I have thought about it, and uh, I, I ended up saying, "What Dr. Fauci say? What he say? That's what I." But anyway, the, the <laughs> like he's good with it. But I I I um, 
also thought about my experience, man. I mean, how many shots have I had to go anywhere and everywhere around the world from the military Africa to the Middle East or whatever, and um, um, being fully aware and, and engaged uh, with our history. Um, I also uh, the the negative history uh, of mm-hmm. things we've we've done. I, I don't foresee that intentional, and I don't. And I trust um, if good data comes out that that um, it will be good for us. And, and I would expect to take um, uh, a vaccine when it comes out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think it's, yeah, a, it's I, important. Thought... It, I, I think it's well, important for us to get over to get over this hump. These, you know, these are things that we've done for years. Yes, is new. Um, and if you go back and look at how polio was handled, I mean, they was jamming people uh, left and right as soon as that vaccine came out. And, and it, mm-hmm. it turned, you know, the hope of our country around after that period of time. But uh, as far as being having the cloud of that, that virus or that uh, disease over us. So um, I'm looking yeah, forward to getting on the other side of this. No, absolutely. I um, mean, and I'll say this, you know, again, for anybody out there listening, we, you know, you don't have to agree. We are definitely, the, if you're a new listener, we definitely like to talk about things from both sides of it. Uh, and all, all I'm simply just even in pointing out and um, you hearing um, Brent, who's a, a, you know, we both were in the Air Force. He was in a lot longer. And as a pilot, he had to go, as he said, to all these different places. So it's very common um, that he's probably taking more vaccinations than most of us um, just due to his world travels. And I'm not saying that that alone makes it okay. And, and if you listen to the show a couple of weeks ago, we definitely got in depth about the long history for why the skepticism is valid. Like there's no disagreeing what, where the skepticism come, came from. Uh, what, what, what you are hearing us challenge is that we have enough, I'll even say enough of our own scientists involved enough to, if you will, look at the data and see uh, that it, it's, it's not one, in my opinion, not going to be offered haphazardly. You don't have to agree with me. I get people disagreeing. Um, but what I will say, which is a couple of things I pointed out when, when this thing first started, um, I, I, I mentioned the fact that, um, that our military members, in a sense, would be some of the first people to access it. And I say, you know, I said, if we do, if we don't anything, understand anything about the United States, we all understand that the United States is going to do its best to stay war ready at all times. And so I would say, you know, just for people to give them something to think about. So you can't imagine that they would give soldiers something that ultimately would be harmful when in fact they are the, in a sense, the, the, the defense of this nation uh, or, or however you however you may see that you can't imagine that they will be giving the so you know our soldiers our military members something knowing that they have to defend you know defend this country and what they've said in, in this case because I think uh, if, if it keeps if, if it gets past the next trials uh, they said Pfizer and moderna probably would apply for emergency use only uh, license because it still has a process to go through but the first person that are go- the first people that are going to be receiving it are the actual health workers the first line so mm-hmm. again i can't imagine we got something that's going to harm us and we're giving it to the people who got to give it to us first i'm just saying you got to make it make sense uh, if if you if you absolutely absolutely reject it 
because of that past history, I get it, but I'm challenging you because that's what we do. All we ask is that you think. I'm not saying this for you to agree, but I am challenging the thoughts. Uh, we got a couple of minutes. Um, I'll let either one of you kind of hey, say a couple of things. I'm going to hold that. you down for these last couple of hours. Go ahead, Brent. No, just real quick on that, and it goes back to what Pianchi was talking about. We should have been in this technology space much earlier than the when when the uh, the tidal wave hit the hit the shores. You know what I'm saying? And it's mm-hmm. the same thing with uh, with the distribution of uh, the this vaccine that comes up. We try to figure out how we're going to be able to distribute it, and, uh, and what the um, the logistics is uh, with all of that. Mm-hmm. These are things that could have been done before the tidal wave hit the right. shore. And, and that's the unfortunate piece about it. And that's why it's yep. important to get the right people in office that make these strategic uh, uh, connections and decisions. Yep, Brother Pianchi, you got about a minute and, and a half. So the, but I'm going to say this, is that uh, as far as the education is concerned, and here's another thing, no matter who is the president and vice president, they can be Mickey Mouse and Pluto. There's things that you have to do as a parent and a family and not depend on somebody else because history has told you that that just doesn't work. And one other thing, we have African-Americans in every avenue of specialty. We should incorporate them to write a paper instructing, or should I say giving advice on what a child should be exposed to at certain levels, certain grades. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because apparently... These are the things that they've done for them to be successful where they are today. And sharing that information in a, in a, in a thesis is a very good thing for you to follow. Now, I love it. Thank Now, thank both of you. Uh, Brother Pianchi, I don't know if you do any online shopping, um, but next Friday we're going to be doing a uh, – Brent has already agreed to be on as a part of it. Um, but it's um, next Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be on a Zoom call. Um, so you can definitely join us. We'll be – you know, we'll be uh, we'll do a dialogue first. Or even if you don't necessarily do online shopping, I know you will enjoy the dialogue with us. So I'm going to send you that link for next Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, for anybody out there listening, if you follow me personally on Facebook, Montoya Smith, I'll be doing some trivia questions to open up the invites. All the Middle Dollar members, they're automatically invited. But thank you all both for being on. See you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.